everybody and welcome to the fourth episode of the MLB Takeover Podcast brought to you by the Takeover Podcast Network alongside Matt Danilek. I am Chris Valley. We have an exciting show for you all. Matt, what can they expect this week? In our headlines segment, Chris, we're going to be talking about another DeGrom injury following up on a Mets conversation we had last week where everything goes wrong for the Mets. We're going to talk about Craig Kimbrell. We're going to talk a new AL predictions a new segment called Two Angry Men, and our final segment where we will discuss something a little more sports-related than we did last week, although still not quite in line with baseball. All right, but before we jump into the podcast, we have to tell you about an exciting and fun opportunity for all of you who love to play fantasy sports. We here at the TakeOver Sports Network have teamed up with Prize Picks, and they have a special offer for all of you listeners and viewers. New users that deposit and use the promo code TAKEOVER will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, three-pointers made, fantasy points, and more. Prize Picks also allows mixed sports entries. For example, you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, which you can find both on the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. So if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play daily fantasy, be sure to check out Prize Picks and don't forget to use the promo code TAKEOVER so they know that we sent you. That's Prize Picks promo code TAKEOVER. And now let's jump right into the headline. So DeGrom has a stress a stress reaction and he's out indefinitely which is a major hit for the Mets. He's the best pitcher in baseball, he's the best pitcher on their staff. And you know, honestly, I think it hurts baseball as a whole too when you have the best player at its position and he's going to be out for I mean god knows how long at this point. And it's just it sucks. It sucks that we keep seeing these with big arms. You look at Strasburg, you've seen it with Chris Sale and others that just once they get like a little nick it, it it's almost like it just unravels over time and we keep seeing this earlier and earlier and earlier in pitchers careers and i'm not too sure why well you have to look at it in context too where we talk about every year without question without art there is no debate about who the best player in baseball is every year you roll out of bed mike trout's the best player in baseball right yeah that's the one sports there's no sports fan argues that mike trout's not the best player in baseball Jacob DeGrom is the knowledge. best pitcher in baseball on a level with Mike Trout. Yes. And we don't talk about it almost at all because he's a Met and because he just keeps getting hurt. 
but Mike Trout also just keeps getting hurt. So it's really just a, a it's a travesty for the baseball fans that the two best players that we get to watch in this generation of players on the mound and you know at the plate just never get through full seasons. Yeah, I mean it's it really does suck. It sucks for the fan. It's obviously if you're a Met fan, you have to be devastated at this point. And I was just reading a thing this morning that said that Scherzer's not a hundred percent that he may even start the season. Yeah, bro. So, Scherzer probably has freaking arthritis because he's so old. <laughs> but I'm just saying, as a Mets fan, like your season's already unraveling and you haven't even gotten opening yet yet. So I told you, Taiwan Walker is their best pitcher and he's in the Grapefruit League right now. It was trying to get stretched out. I there was no doubt in my mind that that terrible things were going to happen. There was no way Degrom was going to be available for opening day. It's the most Mets thing there could possibly be. Also, what in the world is a stress reaction? I've heard of a stress fracture. Is a stress reaction like a lesser version of a stress fracture? I sure. Know. I mean, why not? I, I, I don't know. Let's We're going to need to get the medical people on this. It's something with a shoulder. That's all I know. So that's... Anybody listening to the show that knows what a stress reaction is, please tweet us. Tweet me at Matthew Danielock. Yeah, put it in the, put it in the show comments too. Let, let everybody know. Oh, yeah. That'd be great too. Did you see? I saw we had a, couple, a comment on episode two. A couple of comments. I did too. I did yeah. too. It was nice. Yeah, please. Yeah. Write, write comments into our YouTube page. It would be wonderful. We, we yeah. uh, Interaction is always fun for us. So Especially if, you... if I spend the majority of the podcast absolutely thrashing about about how angry the Dodgers make me, and you're a Dodgers fan, and you enjoyed how upset I was because that, that guy, I appreciated, that guy I appreciated yeah. him getting in there. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on from DeGrom because we do have a loaded show here. We're gonna, just going to touch very briefly on Kimbrel going to the Dodgers. Last season, he had 24 saves. He had a 2.26 ERA, 100 Ks last season, and he makes the Dodgers even better, which makes Matt that much more excited about the season. Actually, I mean, it is kind of BS just because, just on just on principle, but Kimbrell is like three years removed from being an elite relief pitcher. Like, he's still good. He's still serviceable. He's still probably better. I don't know. Kenley Jansen had a nice resurgence last year after being absolutely abysmal for two postseasons in a row. Um, but I would say Kimbrell and Jansen are not that far off. So all they really did was replace the guy that went that left anyway. Um, yeah, and but I, I mean, think... it still gives them more depth is the point. Like they just they yes. just keep keep adding depth to that already all star lineup. I'm interested to see if they are going to close Kimbrell or if they're going to close Trinam because Trinam was supposed to be the closer is what I read earlier in in the preseason here. Um, but he's not like, um, you know, he's not an elite, like, shutdown, final inning, three-out guy. You know, he's good. He's solid. Kimbrel can be a feast or famine. He can either be the guy that absolutely ices you out and there's no chance you're beating him and he racks up, like, 40 saves this year. Or he could be the guy that costs the Dodgers 10 wins because he just keeps throwing the ball over the plate to these dudes and, and they're getting a hold of it. Either way, I'm... It, I mean, we're going to touch on the the White Sox momentarily, but I think that it was actually a, it was a good trade for both teams in in the um, in the at least in the short term anyway. So, I mean, I wasn't upset about it. It again, you and I look at the Dodgers differently, but uh, you know, I think I think Kimbrel is going to be a solid. Um, I think he's going to end up being the setup man. To be honest with you, I was going to say I think he's going to be a solid setup guy. I don't. Think I think that makes the most sense for him. It's a little less little less lower leverage situation at this point in his career. But he's yeah. still got elite talent. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to get to our AL predictions. Uh, this is going to be probably a little 
take a little longer than last week's because the AL East is a gauntlet. So we're going to do that last. We're going to kick it off with what we think is going to be the easiest division to win, and that's going to be the AL West. And so, Matt, I'll let you kick it off. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be, you're going to be depressed for sure because the Oakland Athletics are in full rebuild mode. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're going to be. Your, and that's your favorite, like not your actual favorite team, but your favorite team to root for. Yes. And the A's, the A's are going to be pushing the Diamondbacks for worst record in baseball this year, I think. Absolutely. Um, so that's going to be brutal for you personally. Um, the Texas Rangers and Seattle Mariners. I have, I'm going in reverse order here for me personally. I really believe the Angels are going to finish second in this division. Mm -hmm. I think they, if it were not for the fact that four AL East teams should probably make the playoffs, I think the Angels could be a wild card. Mm -hmm. Um, But sadly, that probably won't actually happen. I want to believe that Trout and Otani and Rendon and those guys can actually have a healthy season this year. And and I want to say the Angels are going to finish second, but it's it's still the Astros' division to lose. I agree with you. Um, I I actually have the Angels making a wild card. So Ooh, I do. Well, this is going to make for a fascinating conversation as we get through the rest of this. So here's why: because and a lot of this is I'm picking with my heart, not with my head, with the Angels. It's because I want Mike Trout to be in the freaking playoffs. Like that's really what it comes down to: is you have the best player in baseball who's been in the playoffs, I think, one time in his entire career, maybe twice. But we've only seen him, I think, play two or three games total in the postseason. And it's just, it's not right. Like, we should not, there would be like, you know, for those of you who are basketball fans, it would be like watching, not watching Kevin Durant ever play in the postseason or Giannis never making a postseason. That's just, it would be insane. And I know different sports, basketball stars can carry a team in a way that baseball stars can't. But still, I mean, it's just, it's not right. So I, I am going to take the Angels to win a wild card, and I know that that completely blows up the AL East and makes it that much more interesting. You're going to be um, impossible when we get to the East. I, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> I'm saving – just just to be clear, I'm saving all my wild cards for the AL East. Well, all my other ones are in the AL East, but I, I do have to give the Angels one here. Uh, so I agree with you about the Astros. Even though they lost Correa, um, Correa you know, they still have an excellent rotation. Verlander is still going to be solid. I mean, they've got these other guys. They've got they've got Valdez. They've got Javier. Like they have other arms. One thing about the Astros, as much as we all love to hate them because they're a bunch of cheating bums, mm-hmm. their ability to combine superstars with genuine homegrown talent is unlike almost any other team in the league. Yeah, no, they've built up this team very well. I mean, their lineup is awesome. You have Bregman and Altuve and Kyle Tucker. Like they've got a great lineup in general. I mean. Mm-hmm. The, them losing Correa really doesn't it doesn't hurt them, which is scary. And it, for anyone who doesn't like the the Astros, like, like we, do. you're not even talking about Yuli Gurriel at first base. Like that guy could put up it, he puts up MVP numbers. <laughs> like it's just nobody ever cares about him. Yeah, so I mean, the, I think the the Astros are relatively going to cakewalk in this division. Um, I have the Angels, like you said, I have them second, so I have them making the wild card. Seattle. I have coming in third, not that that matters. They're not going to repeat what they did last season. Last season, to me, was a fluke. They have the potential over time to be able to repeat that success. I just don't think that that's going to happen this year. Um, you know, Robbie Ray is, a, is an excellent ace for their staff, but I would have liked to have seen them go out and get a number two starter, like a, a more confident number two starter, and they didn't really do that. Well, they didn't uh, because they're bringing these guys along. 
I know, I know. Seattle, just... Seattle's got this, this really young staff that proved they could play last year. Not to mention, excuse me, guys like J.P. Crawford coming up and just being absolutely incredible. Well, and then their center fielder has all the makings of being a potential star. Um, Kalenic, I think is how you say his last name. Uh, yeah. He just needs to build off of last year's success. Uh, so I, I think that they're going to be a decent team this year. They're just not, they're just not playoff bound. Um, and then I have the Rangers and then I have the, uh, the rebuilding athletics. So I would argue really quick, not that I want to spend forever on the AL West, but okay. I would, I would argue that Seattle and the angels are going to be right around the same win total. Okay. I, I think they're pretty equivalent teams. And in fact, if a wild card team does come out of this division, it, it which it won't, but you're crazy. But it could very well be the Mariners. The Rangers are fascinating to me because they do have some talent. Like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and then like bringing in, you know, um, oh my God, what's his name? I'm losing my mind. Seager, look, I look. Seager and, and Simeon are both all stars, and I and I agree with you that they're great. But they can't fix that terrible rotation. I mean, they, that that rotation's awful. It's just not good. Yeah, I I think this team will hover around five hundred, and that's yeah. gonna that's that's about as good as you're gonna get from them. I would honestly, um, I I'd put them probably like seventy win range to be honest with you. But I I just think I just think they're interesting. Is my point. I mean, again, I, I think a lot of the teams in the AL West are either rebuilding or they're building up their young roster. And I think that you see that, obviously, with Seattle. But the A's are completely rebuilding. But I, I do agree with you that the that the Rangers are interesting. They just – we'll see what they have as far as a farm system, I think, this year. We're going to see these teams, I think, cycling through players as the season progresses. All AL right. Central. Yes. What do you got? What do you got for the AL Central? Okay, so here I'm going to go in in order. I'm not going to go backwards like you did. I'm going to take. So I'm going to take the White Sox. Follow the rules. I'm going to follow the rules. White Sox, I think, have arguably the best rotation in the American League. Um, They added Pollock, losing Kimbrel, which I think is a net win in as it plugs the hole that they desperately needed as far as outfield depth is concerned. You know, you have a lineup that's got. Robert Jimenez, Grandel, Abreu, and Anderson. Their lineup is potent. And I think they're going to cakewalk this division, to be honest with you. I know I know we were saying that the Astros have a pretty easy division. I think the White Sox are head and shoulders better than than the second place team, which is the Twins that I have anyway. Um, the Twins, I think, are a decent team. You know, you added Sony Gray and Chris Archer to their pitching staff. They're not superstars, but they're they're decent enough. Uh, they add as Car- Carlos Correa, which improves them offensively and defensively. Uh, but overall, I just I don't think that they're in the same they're just not in the same conversation to me as the White Sox. Third place, I have the Guardians, which is really weird to say. It still drives me nuts to say it. I won't, um, you know, you I have, won't say it. <laughs> Jose Ramirez is a possible MVP candidate. Uh, you have, you know, Fermil Reyes and Miles Straw as well. You have Bieber is is the ace of a solid pitching staff, but I just don't think they have enough overall talent to make Bieber's them the ace team. if he can actually stay healthy this year. Yes. Yes. Health is always, I feel like we're saying that with every freaking pitching staff. That health No, is but I, I'm not saying it about the rest of the Cleveland pitchers, like McKenzie True. or those guys. Like those guys, you know, like Cleveland, Cleveland has Savaye and like a, a few different guys on their, in their starting rotation that 
I'm impressed with every year. They just don't have an ace because since they acquired Bieber, he can't stay healthy. Uh, then I have the Tigers, which has an excellent farm system. And there's another team that you're going to see, I think, develop young players. But I think the Tigers have the potential in the next couple of years to be really good. And then I have the Royals in last place. They added Granky. Granky's past his prime. You have Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ Melendez. They're the center of the Royal the Royals nucleus, but I just don't think the Royals are going to do much of anything. And yeah, there you go. That's um, my AL Central. I like Detroit better than Cleveland. Really? Yes, and I like what they did with Matt Manning in and the young pitching staff the last couple of years, bringing them up, getting them some getting them some reps. They got Matt Boyd out of there, um, you know. And they're not – it's not like a bunch of bums there. Like, they still have Candelario and those guys. Like, they have some bats to go with it. I think Detroit – they're not going to be good, but I think they can be better than Cleveland. Okay. Um, and, yeah, look, if you're, if you're watching this show or listening to this podcast and you're not a hardcore baseball fan, you're probably never going to watch a Kansas City Royals game but Bobby Witt Jr. is one of the most promising prospects we've seen in the last decade, at least, for the Kansas City Royals. And if you and he made the opening day roster. He's a 2019 first-round pick. He's going to play third base for them, and he's absolutely incredible. And if you have an opportunity to go watch a Royals game whenever they're in town playing your team that you watch, make sure you tune in and watch them because like, he's must-see TV. Do you have any any qualms with the White Sox winning the division? No, the White. I, to be honest with you, we could have started Central either way. Either way is fine. The Minnesota Twins are not winning this division, and they're not making a wild card. The Chicago White Sox, to me, are the best non AL East team in 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 the in this conference in this side. You like them better than Houston. I like them much better than Houston. Okay. Yeah, me I, too. I think Chicago last year should have been the AL team. I agree. I, th- I think they dealt with some injuries and they had some poor luck and they kind of collapsed towards the end. Um, but I, I think this is one of the best rosters in all of baseball, including the Dodgers. And they didn't have to outspend everyone by a hundred million dollars to do it. <laughs> Just can't let it go. Never can't let it go. All right. So that brings us to the AL East. This division is so damn loaded that I wouldn't be shocked if we see these standings change weekly. I mean, it's just going to it's gonna be absolutely insane. I'm going to let you go because you, you've you got a, a few wildcard teams coming out of here. So I'm, I'm interested to see how you have it divvied up. All right. So let's, get, let's do process of elimination here and get the easy thing out of the way. The Baltimore Orioles are going to get absolutely annihilated by the other four teams in this division all year, and it's going to be sad. It is. It's going to be like the only break that these teams are going to get are when they have series against the Orioles. They're going to see the Orioles come up on their schedule and guys are going to be like, oh, thank God I can like see my family this weekend and just relax (laughs) and put my feet up because the rest of the time is going to be an absolute grind. Mm -hmm. I, um, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Rays and the Red Sox. It doesn't matter what order you put them in one through four. Because you think all four of them are in the playoffs. All four of them are in the playoffs. Okay. All four of them are going to have 
86 plus wins, 87 plus wins. And frankly, I think that's more than enough to beat out whatever the angels and the twins are going to do. Okay. Um, to me, to me, the best regular season team in this division is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. All right. We agree. I think there's so much firepower. I think they're young. I think they want to prove themselves. You know, the Red Sox and the Yankees, especially, you know, the Rays never take the regular season too seriously. They're always just tinkering for the playoffs, making sure they're in the hunt. You don't care if they're a wild card or if they're a one seed. Like, it doesn't matter. The Yankees and the Red Sox have a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that are like, all right, let's get through this thing. Let's get there. You know, they have both have both the Yankees and the Red Sox have a lot to figure out with their pitching staff as the season goes on. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Toronto's locked in. I think they have the lineup locked in. I think they have the rotation locked in and I think they're hungry. I think they wanted it badly last year. I think Vlad got screwed out of the MVP. And I think that the, that team is going to come out with a chip on their shoulder on an absolute mission. And they are going to bomb teams out of the ballpark. Now, mind you, I still would say they probably won't win the division by more than like a handful of games, like maybe three. It's going to be that close, one through four. But it's not going to matter because all four of those teams are making the playoffs some way or another. Okay. All right. I agree with you about the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays, and I agree with you about the the ending standings. It's not going to be – yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that these are going to change weekly. I think it's going to come down to the wire. But I do think the Blue Jays have set themselves up to be the best team in the American League. Whether that, whether or not that means that they're going to go to the World Series is a completely different conversation. Correct. Um, but I agree with you on that. Um, so here, I'll, I'll tell you who I have in, in second. I, I have the Rays as the second best team in this division. Um, Wando Franco is a freaking stud. Like you were talking about Bobby Witt Jr. Y'all need to watch Wando Franco. This kid is going to be, I think, the best shortstop in baseball within the next two years. Like, he is that talented. Uh, so, I look, man, in the Rays pitching staff, it, it was, it's second only to the White Sox. It, or you can even enough. make the argument that it's the best. I mean, I, I'm willing to hear those arguments. I wouldn't argue it's the best because we don't know when – because Glass now is not coming back this year. Fair. The uh, by the way, just for those of you who are interested about Franco, last year the as a rookie he batted 288 and struck out only 37 times in 308 plate appearances. I just thought that stat was incredible. Like that's he's he was nuts from the very moment he stepped on the field. That's just insane. And um, the way you can tell is rookies are almost never relevant in fantasy. And Wander Franco was picked up in every league the minute that he got a starting job. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, they have bats all over their lineup. I just I like the Rays here um what about you i actually don't like the rays as much i think okay. not having their own ace not having glass now is going to hurt them you know okay. i mean obviously we know what we're going to get from guys like brandon Lau, like who can play like an mvp in any given year you know mm-hmm. uh, and you, like you mentioned franco they've got a very talented infield i have questions i have questions about the rest of their their lineup i'm not sure here's the problem the Blue Jays, powerhouse. The Yankees, powerhouse. The Red Sox, powerhouse. Can Tampa Bay, despite their just great team pitching, 
keep up offensively because it doesn't matter how good your pitching is sometimes when you face these juggernauts. When all of a sudden you're like, oh, there goes there goes Xander Bogarts. Okay, we got Xander Bogarts out. Oh, no, Trevor Story's up. All right, Trevor Story got a base hit. Oh, no, J.D. Martinez is up. Oh, shit, Rafael Devers is right behind him. Same thing with the Yankees. You're seeing these lineups where there have been years where there'd be one of these guys on each team. There'd be one Anthony Rizzo. There'd be one Aaron Judge. There'd be, you know, one Giancarlo Stanton. Now they're all back to back to back to back to back. All right. So you can do whatever you want with your pitching staff. You can have the best guys and you can get creative. But if you can't put runs on the board at the same rate as these dudes, because they're going to put up runs, I, obviously you've lived in you've lived through this where it's hot and cold. Some, some games you're going to score 12, some of the yep. games you're going to strike out every at bat. But I would venture to guess that there's going to be more hot nights than there are cold ones for all three of those teams. The difference is the, between the Yankees and then the Sox and the Blue Jays is while they all have power, the Sox and the Blue Jays can hit for average and just get on base in smart ways and score that way as well. So I actually think the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to be ahead of the Rays in the regular season standings. Okay. So I would go, and now mind you, it could be one win separating each of them. I would go Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, Rays. Okay. So <laughs> this is where it's going to get interesting. I have the Yankees in third. I have the Red Sox in fourth missing the playoffs by like a game. Because I think the Yankees-Red Sox is going to come down to a game. That's like that's how I, I, I foresaw this. And I'm only taking the Yankees because I'm a Yankee fan, and I would just be an absolute disgrace of a Yankee fan if I said that the Red Sox were going to overtake the Yankees by a game. So um, the Yankees pitching staff sucks. I mean, I, there, there's really no other way to get around it. We have a Cy Young potential winner again. God willing, he stays healthy because if he goes down, we are screwed. We don't know what we're going to get from Severino. I, I I still don't know. I mean, you know, as long as he doesn't put pine tar on his freaking neck again, we, you know, maybe he can actually last the season without getting suspended. We have some young pitchers that I think have potential. But again, that's what it is. It's all potential. We don't have starting pitching that makes me feel comfortable. The Red Sox are kind of in the same boat. I mean, I know, I know you guys have. The question marks around sale, I think, are a big deal. I mean, I know you can you can spin it however you want, but I do think that that's somewhat of a big deal. Your bullpen is still kind of weak, but your lineups are insane. Like again, we're going down the list here with the Yankees and the Red Sox lineup. Both of them are nuts, and my fear with both the Yankees and the Red Sox, and this is why I have them below Tampa Bay, is pretty much what you said. You were talking about how you you think there's going to be more hot nights than cold nights. I lived through a lot of cold nights, and that's a problem. <laughs> I lived through, I think it was, what was it, 14 out of 16 games where the Yankees couldn't score more than two runs a game. And that's what concerns me. That's where the, the stronger pitching staff comes into play. Because if you you don't need to, to put up more than three runs a game if you're playing the Yankees during that stretch. So the, it, it's just that hot and cold factor has always freaked me out just because I've lived through it so many times over the last few seasons. Uh, so that's why I'm I'm hesitant. Now, if if some if people go in the comments here and they say you're absolutely crazy, the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs. The Yankees are going to miss the playoffs. That's fine. I'm not going to argue. No, it's anybody. not fine. It's, it's done. It, 
They're, it's, it's dumb to say anything other than they're both going to make the playoffs. I, I don't, but I don't, I don't necessarily agree because I do think the Angels are set up to make the playoffs in a, in a because. So this, that's what this comes back to then is now you need to defend Angels versus Red Sox I'm, I'm head to. to head. I'm about to. Please do. It's not about the it's not about the Angels and Red Sox head to head. It's about the fact that these teams are going to cannibalize each other. This is what we, we talk about it in 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 the NFL. Like the the AFC West is going to cannibalize each other because it's so damn stacked. Mm-hmm. The same thing is going to happen here. Where I don't think you're going to get a team that's going to win more than like I don't think the Blue Jays are going to win more than 95 games. And that's not because they can't win over 100. It's because they're playing in the AL East. That's where that's where I think the argument for the Angels comes into play because I think the Angels could potentially win 89, 90 games, which may be just enough to surpass either the Red Sox, who I have, or if if you want to argue and say the Yankees, that's fine too. But I do think that the Rays and the Blue Jays are better teams overall than the Red Sox and the Yankees, which is why, I from my my personal standings, I don't have the Red Sox making the playoffs. Okay. Let's talk about it this way. Okay. If you're first of all, if you're splitting between the Red Sox and the Yankees, now mind you, I picked the Yankees ahead of the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. But I was down on the Red Sox last year too, and they ended up being markedly better than the Yankees. I think what it comes down to is you're worried like you're talking about, well, we have the one ace and nothing else. And the Sox don't have that luxury, but they also don't have that problem. All right, so if you look at the starting rotation for the Sox this year, you've got, even without Chris Sale, all right? Because I'm not, I'm not counting on anything from Chris Sale. If we get a Chris Sale season, great. If not, you've already proved that he can be a 20-win pitcher last year. Yes. Nick Pavetta proved himself last year as well. He was only 29 years old as a starter. Those are two solid guys, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're talking about Tanner Houck, who looked like an ace last year coming up. Every time they brought him up, every single time they brought him up, he was incredible. It was one of the best rookie performances I've seen from a starting pitcher out of the Red Sox system in when was the last time? When was the last time we brought up anybody that was that good through our system? Because of all they came from the Yankees farm system. I don't know. Lester? Did Lester come up through your system? Yeah. There you go. There's your it's answer. It's been a while. Hawk's yeah. incredible. He's gonna be he might win twenty games this year. Then you got Michael Watcha, who knows what he's got left. But the Red Sox have done really well managing veteran pitchers between Wade Miley and Martin Perez the last couple of seasons where they can have that guy in there as the fifth starter. So what it really comes down to is we're one guy short, which is why Garrett Whitlock has been starting games in the, in the preseason. Matt Barnes is still locked in as the closer. We still have, I, I still think once sale is back and healthy, or if they find somebody else to fill into that fourth spot, Whitlock becomes your middle reliever because he's incredible for like three innings. Like Garrett Whitlock last year was one of the best mid relievers in baseball. He missed a bunch of time, which killed our bullpen because then we were relying on Ryan Brazier and Salamora and those guys where it's just like, you can't expect too much from them. We also have Rich Hill. Maybe he'll be the fill in starter, but he should probably just be a relief pitcher. 
I think that the Sox have a pretty solid pitching staff. Okay. Who do the Angels have besides Shohei Otani that you feel super confident in? I don't. It's not for me. It was for me. The Angels, I think, have have the offensive firepower to be able to stand up in that division and make noise. It wasn't so much about their starting rotation. I don't think that they have a. I wouldn't say an excellent starting rotation. I think they have a a decent starting rotation. But I think, like, I, I understand what you're like. If you want to, if you want to do comparing, contrasting of of the Red Sox and, and Angels starters, I can. I mean, I can take the time and pull up, pull up the Angel starters and go and go head to head with you if you want, but. My thought process, again, comes back to the division as a whole. I wasn't looking, and that's why I said the Yankees and the Red Sox can be interchangeable in this conversation for me. Because you're naming, yes, the Red Sox have a decent starting rotation. But you're also banking on the fact that a lot of these pitchers are going to perform just as well as they did last season. They don't necessarily have the, the resume for you to be able to sit back and tell me with a hundred percent confidence that the Red Sox are going to be able to follow up what they did last year. All That's right, well, my the, point. And the it's Angels' this, resume is we all get hurt every year. True. And that's and the playoffs. And that's that's why I made the comment that when I picked the Angels, I did a lot of it with my heart, not with my head, because I want to see Mike Trout desperately in the playoffs. And that has a lot to do with why I'm making this prediction. I just, However, I just want the world to be clear. Well, here's the thing, though. The fun part's going to be is that when the Angels make the playoffs, I'm going to say I was right, even though this is all all on a whim here. So that's all right. That's but what about when the Angels make the playoffs, but the Yankees are the team that don't get in? Then I'm going to sit back and secretly <laughs> celebrate because then hopefully that means Brian Cashman gets fired. That's that's the other thing is that I said it last year and I'll say it again this year. If the Yankees miss the playoffs, I'm not going to be upset about it. I'll only be upset if they miss the playoffs and Brian Cashman's still their GM at the end of of the season. Or at this, I should say, the start of the next season, because I think that's the best thing that could possibly happen for the Yankees organization as a whole is for them to get shellacked this year, to be completely out of the conversation, because maybe then that'll that'll light a fire under the owners and they'll actually get get a new GM. One could hope. One yes. Could hope. Yes, one could hope. All right, so we're going to move off the fun topic here, and we're actually going to go to something a little more serious, uh, and this is going to be a bit of a debate for us. So here's the deal. Uh, For those of you who haven't been paying attention, Trevor Bauer has filed a defamation lawsuit against The Athletic. Hold on. Go ahead. I would like to introduce to you our newest segment. (laughs) Two Angry Men. Screaming at Clouds. Okay, go. So Trevor Bauer files a defamation suit against The Athletic. I'm going to read this article from ESPN, which kind of outlines what's going on here. And then Matt and I are going to go in on this here because we do see things a little bit differently. So Los Angeles pitchers, Trevor Bauer sued the athletic and former reporter Marley Knight on Tuesday, accusing them of creating and spreading the false narrative that he had fractured a woman's skull during a sexual encounter. A woman obtained a protection order against Bauer under California's domestic violence protection act last June as the result, as the result of an alleged assault that left the woman with quote, severe physical and emotional pain, end quote. Los Angeles prosecutors said in February they decided not to charge Bauer, determining that there was insufficient evidence to win a conviction. The Athletic reported last June 30th that there were signs of a basilar skull fracture. The lawsuit says, quote, CT scan results included in the medical records attached to the complaint complainant's declaration and possessed by the Athletic definitively concluded that she had no acute fracture, end quote. 
Athletic spokesman Taylor Patterson said in an email, quote, we are aware of legal action taken by Trevor Bauer. We're confident in the reporting and plan to defend against the claim, end quote. Knight did not immediately respond to an email sent to her address on her website. She announced she was leaving The Athletic on July 30th, 2021. In the video posted on YouTube in February, Bauer said of the woman who obtained a protection order against him, quote, the disturbing acts and conduct that she described simply did not incur, end quote. The lawsuit claims The Athletic and Knight defamed Bauer by creating and spreading the false narrative that Mr. Bauer fractured the complainant's skull. There was no basis for this assertion because the complainant's own medical records, which The Athletic possessed, showed that she had no fracture. Nonetheless, consistent with their prior and subsequent expressions of animus towards Mr. Bauer, The Athletic and Miss Knight publicized the false attack. Defendants acted with, so this is within the lawsuit, defendants acted with actual malice because they deliberately ignored the truth, which was evidence in the medical records possessed by The Athletic. And because the defendants' defamatory statements were part of a campaign or harassed Mr. Bauer, Okay, that was the end of the suit. Sorry, that was a run-on sentence. The suit yeah. alleged The Athletic posted a link to the story on its Twitter account and Knight amplified the inaccurate claim on Twitter. The lawsuit said that The Athletic, after being contacted by Bowers' lawyer, published an update that said, quote, Trevor Bowers' representatives emphasized that medical records showed that while the woman was initially diagnosed with signs of a basilar skull fracture, a subsequent CT scan found no acute fracture, end quote. The lawsuit said that there was insufficient and inaccurate evidence and that an emergency room physician observed that the complainant presented with indications of a possible basilar skull fracture, which was ruled out by only the CT scans the woman had, end quote. Okay, so that was the long, very, very long article that I pulled up. Let's so, briefly summarize that. Yeah, so to briefly summarize, Bauer is claiming and his attorneys are claiming that the athletic reported misinformation, essentially, that they that they had the evidence presented to them that there was no there was there was no definitive evidence that Bauer actually did the things that he was being accused of doing. No, no. Let's be very clear about okay. what was said in that article. Okay. In that article, what Bauer and his representatives repeatedly said repeatedly said specifically in this defamation lawsuit is there was reported to be a skull fracture. The facts are that there was no skull fracture. The CT scan shows there was no skull fracture. Never, other than in Bauer's own words, where he says that those acts he never committed. Great. Let's trust all assault, <laughs> um, you know, people who commit assault. I don't think that's going to be a new trend, probably. No, no hashtag, no hashtag believe all assaulters. Okay. All that is said is that this woman went to the ER. The ER doctor looked at her head. She had a head injury. It was a bad enough head injury that the initial assessment by the ER doctor prior to getting in for imaging was I think you have a skull fracture. The CT scan proved that that was not the case. Never is it said that there was no head injury. Never is it said that Trevor Bauer didn't slam her head into something. It right. is only said that, it, that the athletics goal in defaming Trevor Bauer was to spread false information regarding the skull fracture. Right, which is... True. It's it's clearly evident that that, that doesn't mean he didn't assault her. That just means that he didn't assault her badly enough to fracture her skull. Right. But 
at the same time, we still don't know if he actually did assault her. We don't know. And that's that's my issue with this whole thing. And look, I've been on the the Trevor Bauer bandwagon in the sense that we have seen too many athletes, too many athletes get accused of, of domestic violence or violence in general to only turn around and find out that it didn't actually happen. And that's my issue is that he went to court. They didn't have enough evidence to prosecute him. So the charges were dismissed. Okay. That's a problem. But not I mean, having that, enough evidence and is different than it not happening. I, I'm not disagreeing. But my point, though, is that this guy has been kicked out of the league, essentially. for, for It's going to go on probably close to a year now at this point. For something that he may or may not have done. Right. And that sucks. But while they're investigating whether or not you're an abuser, you don't get to play baseball and collect checks. Although he did get paid last year. He did get paid. Because he's on the uh, administrative or, um, yeah. It's like the commissioner's exemplus. Commissioner's exemplus. I don't know why they don't just call it that. It's the same thing. But so here's my thing. I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he didn't do it. I'm just saying, I'm simply saying that you have, the the problem is, is that you, too many times in, in reporting, whether it's ESPN, The Athletic, it really doesn't matter. You can name any institution you want. We're seeing too many people ignoring certain <laughs> certain evidence in order to highlight other things to try and make a, a point. And this woman, the woman that, uh, Miss Knight, that worked for The Athletic, was clearly, clearly ignoring facts to try and spin the story a certain way, to try and make it definitive that everyone who reads her article believes that Bauer did this. Not only did he possibly hit her, but he he fractured her skull in the process. Like that, there, there's a difference. If you're reading an article and somebody says someone was accused of domestic violence, the woman had a head injury, as opposed to the man was accused of domestic violence, the woman had a skull fracture. It's it it reads completely differently, and it's going to it it's going to bring people to to side with the defendant more so than ever think about signing Trevor Bauer, where, again, like I say, I believe that if you read an article and you say, all right, the, the woman had a head wound, well, that sucks. Like, that's that's unfortunate. She has a skull fracture. Holy shit, he could have killed her. Like, that's, it. it's just, like I said, it's just, I, I think he's going to win this lawsuit, by the way. And he should. He absolutely should win this he's lawsuit. He's going to win this lawsuit because there was, in fact, misreporting. He's going to win this lawsuit because the athletic never went back and said and clarified if they would have written a retraction of the skull fracture part of the article, they could have kept everything else the same. The reporting that they did with the victim, the, but here's the problem. If you had enough access to get the medical records, to get the information from the emergency room doctor, and then let's say that maybe, all right, maybe you didn't get access to the CT scans originally. Maybe all you had was the was the emergency room doctor's information. And so you reported that it was believed that the woman had a skull fracture. And to sauce up your story a little bit, you made it more factual than theoretical. That's not defaming someone necessarily. That is that is that is twisting the information a little bit. Yes. A little not, bit. Look, I'm not <laughs> saying that she wrote it with all of the journalistic integrity in the world. I'm saying I understand how we got there, but, and that's me assuming that she did not have the information from the CT scan. 
as soon as you have the information from the CT scan, you need to clarify because there's still an article to be written. There's still an assault to be reported about. There's still an assault to be pursued by the law enforcement, right? Just because you don't have a skull fracture doesn't mean that you don't have a head injury. Even if it's just a concussion, that can still kill you. That can still damage your body. There's, so where's the rest of the medical information is my question, because it's very convenient that Trevor Bauer and his lawyers focused exclusively on the fact that there was no skull fracture in the CT scan. Where's the rest of the medical information? Because at this point, if you're the victim here, all you have to do is release that medical record that says, no, you know what? The CT scan showed no skull fracture, but, but. I did clearly have, here's, here's the rest of the medical information that shows that I clearly had a head injury. Then, to me, immediately, it looks like it has the entire time, which is that Bauer is a scumbag. And, but don't, don't you think that that other medical information would have come out during the, the whole predisciplinary hearing process? Like, when they're trying to convict so. him. Well, but that's my point, though, is that I'm betting you that that stuff's already come out. And the reason why that they didn't, if there is anything else to come out is my point because why would bowers lawyers not add like if 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 that can come out in discovery all these other things that are completely shoot their case down for defamation i don't at least i don't believe that high-powered attorneys are just going to ignore that if they know that it's out there if it's floating out there in the ether look they they know that they would then lose their their defamation suit probably your wife loves true crime just like my wife loves murder shows and things like that What's the one way, watch one episode of Law & Order SVU, what is one way that the scumbag defense attorney gets the predator off? I don't watch this stuff, so I don't... I, I, it's, it's a technicality. You're focusing on one specific thing, one very specific truth. The one very specific truth that Trevor Bauer's defense attorneys are focusing on is that the alleged victim did not have a skull fracture. They're not saying she had no health issues at all. If they were saying that, then I would agree with you because they wouldn't publicly come out and try and attach that to their, their defamation suit if there was a chance that she could prove that she did. What they are trying to prove is that by saying specifically that she had a skull fracture, that was defaming Trevor Bauer. They're not saying that she made up the entire thing. They're not saying that she went to the emergency room and the emergency room doctor told her she was perfectly fine and sent her home. They are saying very specifically under the law, this hap this one specific thing was said and this one specific thing is completely untrue. And that leads me to believe, that leads me to believe via logic, that Trevor Bauer did in fact assault this woman. However, he did not fracture her skull and the athletic reported it incorrectly and never retracted the original report. But Bauer's come out and said that he never did that though, that, that he didn't assault her. He's been quoted as saying that before. So, I mean, so you're, you're coming in and the presumption of this dude's guilty, but he has because denied that. that he has hurt her. In the okay, past. then why did she go to the emergency room? Why is there even a doctor's visit? I don't know. She could she could have fell down and hurt herself. Okay, that's you know, a I mean, dumbass like, take in this day and age. We know it's not better a dumbass take though. 
Matt, could we could go down. down we could go herself. down. Come we on. could go down the laundry list of players that have gotten what the hell was the guy's name in the 49ers? The San Francisco 49ers. All was it Alden Smith that got the linebacker that got screwed three different times by the NFL, not just by the NFL, but by his ex girlfriend who claimed that he beat the shit out of her multiple times. And she had injuries to then come to find out that she was causing the injuries to herself. So, like, you're saying that's a dumbass take? It's not a dumbass take. It's it's completely factual. We see this all the time. Ever since the Me Too movement became a big, huge thing, out of nowhere, we were seeing athlete after athlete after athlete getting falsely accused of domestic violence. Okay, and we've also seen athlete after athlete after athlete settle out of an accusation in court, like Kobe Bryant raping a woman in the freaking 2000s. Right. right? I, I'm not I know we're not that. allowed to talk about that because, you know, God bless Kobe's memory and he's one of the greats. But let's be real. We all know what happened. But let's be real on both sides, though. You're just taking one side of it. All I'm, I'm not saying that I'm those saying things haven't happened. The, I'm saying that if you are thinking logically, if you are thinking about this, try and put yourself in the position of, I'm a detective and I need to solve this. What is what is your what is your process of 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 gauging a situation tell you? You are so dead set on being as objective as possible, which is great because if the world worked that way, things would be a lot better because then you wouldn't have these, you know, false accusations or you wouldn't have people, you know, paying their way out of things that they actually did do, right? Like your your idealistic way of looking at this where we want all of the information and we want to be as objective as possible is awesome, but it's not reality. Here's the reality. The reality is if you're being specific like this in the defamation suit, it leads me to believe what reason would you have not to include the entire story in your defamation suit unless parts of it are true and you're trying to pick the parts that are very specifically not true in order to win the lawsuit. That is a lawyer move. That is the smart thing to do in court. It is a smart thing to do in the public eye. Because you know what? As long as you can prove that they defamed you by reporting that the fracture, even though there was no skull fracture at all, if you can prove that, then all the rest of the stuff falls by the wayside. And it doesn't matter whether or not you actually assaulted the woman in the eyes of the media and the public. Because the, well, the, the reason why I would go that route also, or the reason why I think that they can go that route is because the charges were dropped. They don't have to go any bigger than that. The charges were already dropped. They don't have to go all the way back to the assault. They can just cherry pick whatever the hell they want. My belief would be if he was actually convicted, they could then make it into, they could broaden the scope and make it into a bigger argument. They don't have to do that. Like, that's just, I mean, that's just the fact of it. They, the Look, charges were dropped. They were dismissed. He's the, he doesn't have to, he's not going to They're not trying that. to prove Trevor Bauer's innocence. They're trying to, they're trying to prove in the, in the media and in this lawsuit that he didn't fracture a woman's skull. That's right. my point to you. And right. that, but my me, point though is they don't have to prove his innocence. like guilt. But they don't have to prove his innocence. He's already been proven innocent by the fact that they can't convict him. Because there's not enough evidence. Yes. Right. That doesn't mean that you're not guilty of something. That just means that there's not enough evidence. Which, also, if you do a little bit of research on this specific topic, because why would you just know this off the top of your head? But in a lot of sexual assault cases and domestic violence cases, perps get off 
because there's not enough evidence to convict. It's very difficult to get evidence of something that happened inside a home, in the bedroom, in one of these circumstances where it's basically just one person's word against another person's word. And if you show up with an injury, look, here's this, here's the terrible reality. You could beat the shit out of your wife right now and send her to the emergency room. And as an objective observer, I could say, well, she could have fallen down every time because there's no proof. But you're you're coming into it only on one side of the argument, though. You're you're so dead set on Trevor Bauer is a piece of shit, and yes. not sitting back and going because he is because we've seen him be one over the over the course of his career. Just because he's a jerk on the field does look, man. It, <laughs> the amount of athletes that are pricks on the field or on the court does not make them look. Tom Brady's a prick. Does that mean that he beats Giselle behind closed doors? He's like, not. That, Tom that Brady's a douche. That's different. <laughs> but it, I'm just saying, though, like the, that's that's such a that's such an unfair argument to make. My point, though, is that you you really are you are dead set on this this belief that it's almost like you're in this whole like we have to believe all women no matter what stance. And I just don't buy into that. I just I'm not I don't. saying I I mean I do I generally believe that we should lean on the side of the victim until we have reason to believe that that's not the case. Yes, because we've gone through hundreds of years of just ignoring this shit. All right. So yes, should we go the opposite direction a little bit more strongly so that we can compensate and make sure that we create uh, a, an environment and a society where people who are victimized can come out and say it and get support? Yes, I do believe that. However, in this case, I'm not saying specifically that I think that Trevor Bauer is guilty just because this woman said he's guilty. I think Trevor Bauer is guilty because of this press release by his by his lawyers. I think that the focus on specifically there not being a skull fracture and the reporting of there being a skull fracture, that right. to me is covering up everything else that was said. And if you really genuinely felt that the athletic defamed you, by misreporting this entire thing, which is entirely untrue, then you would say all of these things are entirely untrue in your defamation lawsuit. But they don't, like I've already said that they don't have to though. They don't have to because it, it doesn't matter. It, he's not, he wasn't found guilty. So all they have to do now is they have to pick and choose what they want, what they believe they can win in court. It, it all comes back to what you can win in court. I mean, that's the other thing. Like you talk about like the procedural attorney shows or whatever. Like that is the one thing they say is okay. you don't broaden the scope too big. You pick a specific thing that you know you can win in court. I'm there just saying. Be, even, I'm just saying that at, even in your – even if you're not going to pursue those other things legally, even if you're just your legal focus is there was no skull fracture, you reported a skull fracture. That simple. You would still come out and say, and also Trevor Bauer was not found innocent in court. In 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 so far as you're saying the charges were dropped, yes, because the prosecutors realized they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute him. Right, which makes him so. It's not as if he went before a jury, evidence was heard, testimony was heard, and the jury decided he was innocent. That's very different 
then the innocent and guilty it can't be decided if the case is never actually tried. Well, okay. I, I'm saying there's just as little evidence to support Trevor Bauer as there is on the other side. Not against the athletic. Obviously, it's going to be a very easy lawsuit for them. Like, you reported something that turned out to be completely untrue. And you pushed it anyway. Like, that's one, that one specific thing is going to get them this win. But as far as my assessment of Trevor Bauer, I don't know for sure, right? I don't have all the medical information. There's no way for me to know exactly what happened. But based on what we've seen from him and from his lawyers and the suit, you can say it only you only need to focus on that one thing because that's what's going to win you this lawsuit. Sure. But from a PR perspective, right? If you want to get out from under this this cloud of I cuz here's the thing. You might not think I'm super objective about it, but I promise you I'm more objective about it than the majority of people who are reading the story. Most people are going to think that Trevor Bauer is a scumbag. Most people in today's society are going to believe the victim and go, I don't care. Tre- Trevor Bauer, what a, what a scumbag, right? Which brings me back to my original point, though, because you talk about how people don't believe victims. I would argue that for a long time, they actually have. They just have it just hasn't been reported as often. Nah, dude, we're we're only like ten years into actually being able to talk about it, but like, you know, as a society, I don't know about that. I don't, yeah, I, I think that's... I, look, it's whether or not it's covered by the media determines how vastly it's talked about. That's just the world we live in. We live in a world where we're, everything is interconnected, and if it's not a huge story, right, then the conversation's not really happening. It's all perception. Right. It is all perception, which is my whole, which has been my whole point this entire time. Right. But if it's not talked about in the media, it doesn't matter how many conversations we have about it as individuals. If there's no media coverage, if it's not acceptable to discuss it in a public forum. Right. Then there's no way, then we're not, then there's no, we're not creating an environment where it can be discussed and where it can be addressed. Right. But the media is clearly one sided on this. Sure. The media, the media has decided because can't because they can't be on the other side of it. They can't be in the middle on it because people don't want to hear. Well, she, she said she was she was assaulted, but you know we don't really have any evidence. We're not really sure, right? Well, because, no, they do do that. They do that in certain instances that they want to do that with. Sure, but I'm just saying. Well, from a from a human I'm saying, why is Trevor Bauer the one guy that has to get that has to get hoisted up the flagpole? Why is it Trevor Bauer? Why? How come when we talk about certain it politicians, shouldn't, it shouldn't and they do Trevor the same Bauer. shit? If you if the if the political organization or the news likes that particular politician, it is written completely different than if they don't. Sure. that's my point. That is and my it's whole also point different. In this whole thing, era by era, and honestly, league by league. To be honest with you. If we're being real about it, guys like Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson, right? Beat well, your wife, beat your kid. I mean, the Ray Rice thing was on video. That I mean, that's that, that's sure. a, but that's a completely different conversation. No, no, no. I I agree. 
<laughs> I am saying that we should absolutely friggin' crucify these guys, right? Where, where there's evidence to support. I don't disagree. I, I don't even think you deserve to breathe anymore, personally. I don't disagree. I, I don't. I don't disagree when there's actual evidence to prove the what I'm saying of in, the, in the Trevor Bauer situation is is it is literally a he said she said right right okay so for me I'm gonna start leaning ever so slightly on the she said side from the start because I want to believe even though this is not entirely true and it's idealistic I want to believe that someone wouldn't say that unless it were true now I know I know that there are plenty of cases where. People make that shit up. And I know that men deserve just as much of an opportunity to have the truth come out in court as women do. And to not be victims of somebody lying and saying they did something that they didn't. Because that's a very dangerous position to be in, especially as a high-profile man in today's society. So I'm going to start a little bit left of center. Just a hair. Until I hear the evidence, right? Okay. All right, because if something terrible like that happened to you, I want to. I want to. I, I as a person in the public, I want to give you my support, right? Like I want to make sure that you can talk about that in a public forum and somebody does something about it. Because if you did get assaulted, then frankly, I think we should just start hanging people who commit assault and get proved guilty. That would okay. solve the whole problem. All right. <laughs> So then I'm going to hear the evidence, okay, which we heard and was partially misreported because there was no skull fracture. But at this point, to the best of our knowledge, she did go to the emergency room. She did get diagnosed with a head injury. The only thing that changed is that she did not have a skull fracture. And because it was something that happened in the bedroom without cameras, without witnesses, it's he said, she said, and you can't prove anything in court. If you had a CT scan with a skull fracture, that's a different story. But then also, it's still just circumstantial evidence because, as you said, nobody knows exactly how she would have acquired that head injury. Correct. I'm inclined to believe in that with all of those factors, I am more inclined to believe that Trevor Bauer did hurt this woman in some way. And that is why she came forward and said that he hurt her and reported it. And when it's not as if, look, they didn't settle out of court. She didn't, she could have just continued to make shit up if she if it was all made up. She could have continued to go to the media and try and destroy his, his image. She didn't do that. Right? It's because it, she didn't have to. Look at the way that it was reported. Sure. She didn't have to keep going to the media. Absolutely. They're already doing her job for her if that's what she's trying to do. But it's not as if she gained anything by doing that. It put her in the spotlight. She went to a, uh, to, you know, probably a, like a grand jury trial. They determined there wasn't enough evidence, and that was the end of it. For now, for now, we don't know. She could come out with a tell-all book, and all of a sudden she's jumping on Good Morning America and the Today Show and everything else because we see that. I got too. it. You're projecting what might happen in the future. That's not a factor here. Matt, you've been projecting this entire time. What the hell are no, you talking about? No, I have about? been reading the evidence that we have and forming a conclusion based on that evidence. Based on the information that we have, I believe that Trevor Bauer is a scumbag. 
Right, but that's your opinion of it. I'm just giving my opinion of what I think sure. could possibly happen in the future. That's there's no difference here. There's yeah. no difference. You just don't like my conclusion. Yeah. Is is the problem? You just don't like where I'm coming down on it. I, again, I I'm going to say this, and then we'll move on to to a much more fun subject. I'm not saying Trevor Bauer is innocent. So for everyone who's been listening to this and thinking that I'm saying he's innocent, I'm not. I'm, I've had the same feelings about Deshaun Watson as I have about Trevor Bauer. I'm, I've given what we've seen with athletes or with actors or whomever it may be, public figures, I sit back and I wait for the evidence to roll in because too many times lately, over the last 10 years, let's say, when this stuff's really becoming in the public forum, we've seen just as many people end up being finding out that they were actually not guilty of the charges that were brought forth as they were guilty. So I am in the position, or at least I believe that the best thing we can be as people who talk sports is to be as objective as we possibly can until everything comes out. That's that's been my whole point about Trevor Bauer. Look, if the guy if it comes out that he actually did it, then he's a piece of crap. He should get kicked out of baseball, and that's the end of it. He should never work again, as far as I'm concerned. But I believe that about everybody. So there's that. Hang him from the tallest tree, baby. That was about 30 minutes about really depressing stuff. So let's go to something fun. First name basis. First name basis. So we wanted we were gonna touch baseball, but we're gonna do that next week. We're gonna move this to next week. This is much more much more topical. And we just want to talk about the fact that UNC UNC baby defeated Duke twice in two big games. The last two games that UNC would play Duke and they knock Coach K, not just out of the ACC tournament first time, but then they knock him out of an opportunity to win a championship. Good night, Grandpa Shashevsky. Is Head there a more insufferable coach in sports? <sighs> no, he's pompous. He's arrogant. He's also brilliant in some ways. He's got a weird face. He's got an annoying voice. He coached Team USA for way more years than is acceptable. It's supposed to be one. You know, Bobby Knight came out in this book and talked about how everybody else, every other coach has done it for one Olympics and then passed it on to the next guy in line. Coach K held it for 12 years. Yeah, it just speaks to the dude's arrogance. As a lifelong UNC fan, thank you, Michael Jordan. I just want to say this it doesn't matter if we beat Kansas in the national championship at all. This was it. This was the title. We beat him in his last game at Cameron, and we beat him in his final game, knocked him out of the final four. It was absolutely brilliant. And I I can't say enough how excited I am. Yeah, I don't. I, I think all UNC fans are, from what I've been seeing on social media this morning, there's not a single person that says we need to beat Kansas. This was their national championship game. This is all that matters to them. It would be no different. Yankees, Red Sox, one of them knocks the other one out of, in the ALCS and goes on to the World Series. It really doesn't matter whether or not you win the World Series. The point is you took out your rival, and that's all that matters. So, all right. You got anything else or you good? No, I'm just so excited for the Tar Heels. <laughs> Bye-bye, Duke. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the MLB Takeover Podcast brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. Please make sure to give this video a like and subscribe to the Takeover Sports Network YouTube channel. And while you're there, don't forget to check out all the other great shows from the network, including the SEC Takeover, the College 
basketball takeover, the Big 12 takeover, the draft takeover, and the Big 10 takeover. You can also find this show and all the others from the network anywhere you get your podcast. Also, be sure to give this show a follow on Twitter. It's at MLB Takeover. You can find Matt. That's at Matthew Daniel. and myself at Chris underscore LaValle underscore on Twitter as well. And that's it. That's all we have for you this week. On behalf of Matt, I'm Chris, and we'll see you all again next week.